Welcome to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number four, a bonus episode this week. As you might have seen right before Easter, there was a new Gallup survey released that showed a significant change in religious affiliation in the United States. The numbers have shifted pretty dramatically over the past 30 years, and Brian and I take a look at that data about who is leaving the church and some of the potential reasons why. There isn't a very clean-cut answer, but it does give those of us in the church something to think about. Let's jump right in. So, welcome to the Bistro, Brian. Hey, Brian. Good to see you back. Good to see you back. It's a beautiful day outside. It is nice. It's a nice day. It's the, you know, the sun shining and... We're here in the bistro having I'm having a little coffee. Yes, a virtual bistro. I'm in Indianapolis and you're in Bloomington. I am having some coffee, pour over, of course. Oh yeah. Yes, so delicious coffee. Cheers. So Brian, what would you like we, we, we I mean I know what well, we're going to talk about. What do you want to talk about today? I don't know. We're just talking well, here. <laughs> we were talking about Here's the reason we're putting this episode together. So we both of us noticed this uh recent uh, article and and then a series of articles that it spawned from the Gallup uh, organization. Uh, And basically, this was released March 29, 2021. They released a new study, a new report, and we thought this would be worth talking about. You know, we've said that this podcast is about uh, Bible and theology and all things pertaining to the Christian life, and we thought this would be a really good thing for us to kind of discuss and uh, see what we could uh, we could figure out about it. So anyway, that's what I thought we'd talk about today. Does that sound good to you? It sounds, it does sound good to me. Yes. I mean, okay. it's, right. <laughs> there's some interesting things that to be talked about in yeah. there. Yeah. But it, it's good yeah. to talk about. Well, most, most people who are listening probably have already seen this survey by now, but on March 29th, 2021, Gallup released this report. The title of it is U.S. Church Membership Falls Below Majority for the First Time. That was the headline. And, you know, basically it's 47%. Uh, of people who were a part of their survey responded that they uh, didn't belong to a synagogue, a church, or a mosque, that they were unaffiliated in that sense. I, I, I think it's no accident that this study was released just before Easter and Passover. I mean, obviously, it was meant to garner headlines, and it did. It got a lot of attention, and a lot of people have kind of wrung their hands over it and, and responded. Uh, but the whole idea that it's under 50% now, 47%. Uh, of adults in the U.S. over 18 belong to synagogue, church, or mosque. And that was really a drop of about 20% over the past 20 years. So some people said, well, you know, 2020 is not a very good year to kind of talk about membership in in these kind of organizations. But this has been an ongoing, long-term kind of trend that we've seen. So in the past 20 years or so, a 20% drop's taken place. Anyway, the the article that Gallup put out, the Gallup organization put out, attributed the primary cause to the increasing number of a group that they call the nuns. And that's uh, one you've heard a lot. Yeah, not not the N-U-N, not nuns. (laughs) N-O-N-E-S, the nuns, non-affiliated. Not affiliated. Basically, they defined as those claiming no religious affiliation. So none, you know, if if, if, none of the above kind of thing, I guess you would say. (laughs) But I... um, it was funny because I knew we were going to do this, uh, record this podcast today, and uh, I was listening to to the radio on you know driving uh, into the bistro, and I I heard uh, another whole different discussion where they were talking about this group, the nuns. So it's it's become kind of a thing. But anyway, this the data uh, according to the Gallup organization, this this group has grown from about eight percent back at, around the turn of the century to now twenty twenty one percent. So they said at least half of this decline 
can be found in basically this growing category of the nuns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they say the rest of it really is attributed to a drop in church membership, even among those who say they have a religious affiliation. So they may be Christian, but they say, oh, I, I don't belong to any particular congregation or, or denomination. So I think it's important to state a couple things up front. You know, if you look, whenever you read the articles, you, you grab the headline, right? A lot of people see <laughs> yes. that. But at the very bottom of the article, they gave their the way that they conducted the survey. And I think that's important just to note. It took place over a period of two years, from 2018 to 2020. They dialed random telephone numbers, 70% of which had to be cell phones. They said that's a big deal lately, as people yep. say, well, nobody answers their landline if they even have one anymore. <laughs> exactly. Right? And that resulted in a, what they call a random sampling of 6,117 U.S. adults 18 and older. And that's it's it's from that group of 6,117 that they, they drew that information. Now, you're going to talk a little bit. You've kind of done some additional research on this, Ryan, and you're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I thought that was interesting just, just to know it, notice that. But anyway, what you and I noticed was then a flurry of commentary and interpretation and opinion pieces and, you know, almost any online news source or a lot of written news sources uh, talking about this study. So I thought it would be worth uh, you and I talking about for a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. I mean, it's very interesting to think about this. And I think, you know, as, as uh, you're talking right now, I think the fact that it's 70% of which were on cell phones, the fact that it's <laughs> cell phones and not home phones, I think says right. something culturally about us as well, yeah, like the, the mobile nature yeah. of us. And yeah. I think, you know, that that kind of ties into some of this. Yeah. Um, it's it's crazy, though, those kind of changes. I mean, I'm older than you are, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. How, like how, my how much, experience how much growing you're up. older than I am? <laughs> no, I wasn't going to talk. I wasn't going to particularly talk about that. We can if you'd like. So. No, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I know you're old. Respect your elders. So. Oh, oh boy, he's pulling it. He's <laughs> pulling the punches now. So yeah, so I knew we were going to talk about this, and so I decided to do a little bit more digging. And so I, I looked this up, and this the, the word the nuns was new to me. To thinking about that, and I don't know where that phrase came from or who uh, right. brought it up, but I I found a book online, and and actually it's written by one of my uh, someone I went to high school with. I oh, grew up wow. in uh, Salem, Illinois, very right. small town. You about couldn't drive down a street without finding another church. There were tons of churches right. sure. <laughs> everywhere, um, and everybody went to church. But his name is Ryan Burge, and we went to high school together. He's a couple years younger than I am, ran in different circles. And so I was actually watching some things online and doing some research on this. And lo and behold, he is becoming, I don't, I don't know if the word famous I don't know if I don't know if a statistician can become famous, but he's become known for his research. Right. Um, his name's Ryan Bird. Well, he's been on. You're you're reading the list of the places he's appeared on. Yes. You know, he's at, CNN he, and yes. and uh, USA Today and Al Jazeera and yeah. was it Washington Post? I think yeah. you know all, all these different and publications. He's, and he's been pretty, published pretty in peer reviewed journals as well. Yeah, and so he's now, a, don't don't you know you've been on the Bible Bistro though. So in fact, you're you're oh. a founder, founding host <laughs> of the Bible Bistro. So boy, that is good. that's impressive. That's going to push yeah. me to the stars. <laughs> anyway, so he's written a book called The Nuns, Where They Came From, Who They Are, and Where They Are Going. And so this whole book is just about this topic. There's this survey that that was done that was 6,000 individuals on cell phones, but he also looked like in another data set that was a survey with over a quarter million of, wow. of, of Americans. Yeah. And looking at the trends there as well. And the the survey that did the 250,000 individuals had a little bit more detail about what okay. was going on. And so this book is full of charts and graphs and <laughs> things that like I could talk about them and I'm sure I would butcher them. 
on, on some of this stuff. But he talks about like, why is this happening? Where, where right. He's trying to, to draw some conclusions from the data about what's happening. And so he looks at demographics of, is it single males? Are they leaving the church? Is it single right. females? Is it okay. families that are staying? And like, what's the rate right. of unidentifying with the church. And so okay. one of the things that I thought was most interesting as I was reading this, and I haven't got through it, I just got the book yesterday, it's about 120 pages, right. and I've been been really fascinated and blowing through it, but he talks about if the nuns were represented by five different people, so these are all the people that have been in the survey, if five different people represent them, one of them would so be... that that group, that group that, of the nuns, okay. five different people represented them, one of them would be agnostic, as in there might be a God, but they have no scientific backing to say okay. whether he's real or not. One would be an atheist that's saying there is no God. Okay. And three would be this nothing in particular. Huh. So not okay. that they're not saying like, oh, there is no God. Right. They're not saying like, there might be a God, but I don't know how to approach him, but I'm nothing in particular. So there seems to be... Huh. You know, I, I'm thinking through, is this some kind of spirituality, generic spirituality right. that doesn't identify with any, any particular? And what he also drew uh, drew out of this is that the nothing in particulars, the, the three people out of the five, the nothing in particular category is the largest growing group in America. Wow. Huh. Interesting. Yes. So as the mainline church affiliation has dropped— as the evangelical church attendance has dropped, Roman Catholic, Jewish, like all all church attendance is, is membership has dropped. This nothing in particular category is okay. skyrocketing. Well, this goes along. There was something I had read. And of course, you know, we like we said, there's several articles that this study gave mm -hmm. birth to. So I can't remember. I can't lay my hands exactly right now on it. But it, I, I believe it said something like. 70% of Americans still confess some belief in God, mm -hmm. you know, in some form. So it would go along with that, that it's it, it's not that these are all people who become unbelievers, but they're essentially people who are saying they're not identifying with a particular either denomination or religious group or particular congregation, we might say. Yeah. So. And, yeah. And, and, you know, so the, the question is, is kind of going to, if there's still people that have some professing faith, um, right. you know, we're not, we're not trying to define that right now, but some kind of professing faith and they're leaving a church, like, what are the problems? <laughs> you know, right. trying, to, trying to get down to like, what are the problems? Sure. Why are people, if they still have some sense of spirituality to, to deity, yeah. why are they yeah. leaving these communities right. th that they had previously affiliated themselves with? Yeah, it seems, seems like, yeah, that's one, one of the questions, what kind of, what are the problems? Why are the, why are they doing this? And, and basically, I guess the other question that relates to that is what is what does that mean? What's the significance of that? Mm -hmm. You know, what does this what does this mean for us? But so tell me his name again. The, the Ryan the Burge, B U R G E. Okay, okay. and uh, and does he come to some conclusions on? Yeah, on some he, of these? you know, he he tries to draw some conclusions about why and he's like as a social scientist as well. Like there's it's okay. a, a, there's tons of variables to play in here, but right. there are a couple of things that he looked at. Some of them were political. In some ways, okay. and that at some point, like in the 50s, uh, 60s, the political makeup of the church was approximately 50% Democrat and 50% Republican. Right. And that as we move forward, that percentage of people that identify as Democrat have left the church as the, the Republican numbers have grown. Okay. And so, huh. you know, obviously what Democrat and Republican meant in the 50s and sure. is different than maybe what it right. means today, but... 
saying like there was this sense of, you know, people want to feel like there's a sense of belonging for them and that they right. can have an opinion that's not always, you know, that there's right. discussion well, to it. One of the things that occurred to me, and again, we, we try not to get too political on this podcast. Yeah, we're, we're, that's not but, where we're going. Right. And, and one of the things that occurred to me, though, is that there is a real strong division in our country right now. There's, there's really strong feelings. And I think that that has had a, an impact on local congregations and, and the way that people, whether they feel comfortable, whether they don't. And I'm not talking about any particular way, but I do think that that division, at least lately, has had has had something to do with it, I think. Yeah. He also talks a little bit about just the concept of secularization. So it's, okay. the, it's the, the idea that People make more money as they become more modern or more educated, uh, that they become more secular in that. Right. And so he looked at mm. some data from Europe. So we all know if you go to Europe, you're going to find a lot of empty churches, probably. Right. That well, I mean, I, I lived in in the UK for, for three years, yeah, and it was it was definitely a different. You know, people t- use the we throw all these terms around, but they use the term post Christian nation, mm-hmm. and yeah, definitely there were lots of empty churches. We, in fact. My wife and I used to say so we'd travel through the country. In, we lived in Scotland, and and you could you could have done a picture book basically of the different things that churches have been turned into. You know, there are lots of churches that were turned into pubs. Uh-huh. There were we saw cow barns like churches used as cow barns. We saw car garages like repair garages mm-hmm. that that they you know all these different uses that these and we're talking about pretty grand stone built mm-hmm. you know churches that at one point were were the center of the community. That had become they were pole barns. These were like essentially right. We've got one here in Indianapolis that's turned into a brewery. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a beautiful old building, and you got the stained glass up front, and there are the brew tanks right Right. in front of it, so you can see it. So he said it's like this concept of of secularization, and you look at this trend of Europe. It's just like it's a straight downwards, like their religious belief. And, And the United States is an outlier on that. We've got more money per person per capita, but we still have this strong religious affiliation. And mm, so right. what what makes up for that? And uh, one of the things that he conjectured from this is that the, one of the benefits is never was the government and the church tied together in the United States. In the U.S. In okay. the U.S. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if you, you look over in Europe, it was the church and the government were hand in hand. And so right. when the government treated you wrong, basically you took sure. that as the church is treating me wrong as well. And so there was just this, I can throw out the mm. government and the church at the same time, and then they okay. just walked away from it. And so we had one of those things, one of those pieces going for us. And also just the independent, that there are so many independent churches in the United States, and because we're so individualistic <laughs> in mm. some ways, that it appealed to that individual. There wasn't this hierarchical right. system to it. But one of the things he noticed, what he conjectured was, is that we are an outlier right now, but we're also much younger than these other countries, and that the right. path that we were on was becoming more of a okay. post-Christian. We were yeah. on the path that they went down themselves. Because this, I mean, this does seem to be a long-term trend. This is something that, you know, we see that this isn't just something that's happened in the past 20 years or 10 years or well, whatever. Well, yeah, been. on some of the charts there, it shows that 1990 was a huge year. There's this really uh, hockey stick effect Huh. Going up. I mean, it, it and it's staggering that 1990, there seems to be like that 1990, 1992, 93, you know, I looked up online, like, what were the major things that were happening? Right. <laughs> you know, it's the, well, the Kuwait War. Um, nine, yeah, 9-11. I mean, but I mean, it's really 1990. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> That's 2001. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, just, not, I'm just I'm just 20 years off. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Remember how off. I said he's old? <laughs> 
<laughs> earlier. Anyway. So you said 1990. 1990. So we have the Iraq war that we're starting, you know, uh, uh-huh. in Kuwait. The, the first World Trade Center bombing down in the basement okay. was happening there. But, you know, I was trying to figure out, like, what has happened uh, right. through some of this. And so that was 1990 seemed to be a real pivotal year where this this trend started to skyrocket. Of the nuns, you're saying. Of the, of, of the nuns, a, a, yeah, increasing the people number that were of nuns. moving away from it. And so one of the things that he also, this Ryan uh, Ryan Burge in his book, The Nuns, also kind of conjectured was is that internet's starting to come on at this hmm. point. Oh, uh, okay. Like access to information. Access to information thing, so. is, oh. is, is coming online. And also some of these surveys, his thought is that the number that are saying that they are not affiliated, that are one of these nuns, is actually it's been that way for longer than we've had data to show huh, it. Okay. Because, you know, previously a lot of these surveys were done in person and he talks about, I, I can't remember the theory, but basically you don't want to be honest with another person sitting across from you. That's asking you questions like how often do you right. go to church? You know, okay. if you're only going every six months, someone might lie a little bit and say, well, you know, I go <laughs> once a month or something like that. Uh, he, he talked about a study where they had done phone interviews with people right. talk about this exact same thing. And they're like, 40% of this county said, oh, yeah, we go to church every Sunday. Well, then they right. went to all the churches, and they got data from them. <laughs> and if the church didn't give them data, they went and counted the cars, and they made statistical oh, analysis from this yeah. and basically showed that, like, 45% said they went to church every Sunday, and the reality was only, like, 19 to 20%. Wow. Went. You know, this is interesting. This this relates to another thing. Remember when we talked about worldview? Yes. And, and I said, when you look at any culture's worldview, one of the things that you have to look at is their practices. Yes. Because you may say you believe something, but your practice may show that it's something different. And that that's a perfect example that they went and basically, you know, the people are saying one thing, but their practice shows something different. You know, so it's, it's an interesting part of anytime you examine a worldview, whether it's an ancient worldview or a modern worldview, I think you have to look look at that. That's okay. interesting. So anyway, I mean, there's just tons of data. <laughs> I mean, there's tons right. of that. I mean, the book is all about charts, but I, you know, he also talks about some of the other things that, you know, sure. that are really front and center for a lot of us. We talk yeah. about sexual abuse scandals that right. have rocked the, the, the Roman Catholic church but, that have rocked evangelical churches that have, yeah. you know, just abuse in general or abuse of power or all kinds of, right. of things that have. Yeah. I, I was going to mention that. I mean, the, you know, that I, I think kind of a, a disillusionment, I suppose I would say. With with that, and and it occurred to me as I was I was reading through some you know like I said some of the opinion pieces and things that have been done on it, and that was one of the things you kept seeing the child sex abuse scandal in the Roman Catholic Church. You just mentioned there are several prominent leaders in either mega churches or you know some of these that that have been caught in in different kinds of scandals, and I think people kind of having a disillusionment with that. I think there's a couple of things going on there though too, and and one of it I it just occurred to me, and, and tell me what you think about this, Ryan, is we got to a point where we have this kind of celebrity view of pastor almost, mm-hmm. or like a, a kind of a Christian celebrity. You know, one example I'm thinking about is Rob Bell, you know, and, right. and there was no scandal there, but he, he said things and expressed some different beliefs that were kind of outside the mainstream. Uh, Mark Driscoll is another example, you know, not, not to mention names, but, but these, but here are two. I guess, I guess I have, you know, <laughs> but here are two names. If you want to go look them up. <laughs> Well, and, and it just seems to me, and I was thinking about a church north of here, up in the Chicagoland area, that was one of the largest churches in the United States, and there was that, you know, there was a sex 
scandal that came out there. Not only that the scandal itself with the pastor, but then the way that leaders have tried to cover that up, the way that they've you know, tried to make excuses and, and so forth and discredit the voice of victims in some of these cases, I think has, has led to, to kind of a disillusionment. But my point I was going to make with that is part of that is we, we have put ministers in some cases, especially in these larger churches. I mean, but even it happens in smaller churches as well. We put them in a position that they probably don't believe in the sense you, you know what I'm saying elevating them to this yes. to this position that mm-hmm. that would be kind of kind of my point not that they're not that they shouldn't be serving but that that we have made them into these kind of models that when we see them have clay feet it it, it shakes our faith right uh, i guess is kind of my the point yeah it's a form almost of pastor worship like i see right. them they're, they're the archetype that i'm trying right. to become and when right. they fall, like, yeah, it leads back to, well, if they believe this and they're that, is that true? Is- I'm thinking about what the Apostle Paul says, where he says, you know, I'm pointing people to Christ. You know, fo- follow me as much as I'm following Christ, basically. You know, that's that's the example I'm trying to try to put forward. Yeah, and, and Paul even acknowledges his own weakness through some of that as right. well. Like, don't, don't right. look at me. I have my right. own weakness. Look at Christ. Yeah. One of the other things I thought was interesting is a, a one opinion piece talked about that it's primarily, and I, and I don't know what your friend who's a statistician would have said about this, but t- tell me what his title is again. He's not a statistician. I, I'm saying statistician, oh, yeah, but he's actually I, let a— Let me, gosh, <laughs> now you've put me on the spot. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. But um, um, He's the assistant professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University, author okay. of numerous journal articles. Interesting. I Man, I'd love to hear from him sometime. It'd be yeah. interesting to get his take. I would just like to hear him talk about how polls work and, you know, cause I, I, I mean, I, this is something I know nothing about really. Right. I mean, other than reading these kind of articles, but right. the other thing I thought was interesting is one, one uh, of the opinion pieces I read mentioned that when you break it down into, let's say white American, kind of the mainstream as opposed to uh, minority churches, for example, that the biggest group that was leaving seemed to be in, in the white mm-hmm. churches. Yes. And, and it seemed to me a fit with some of the things I've read about world Christianity. You know, the, there's kind of this model of world Christianity moving south and east, they say. You know, it's kind of this this idea that it's in these these various areas that Christianity, the church is actually becoming stronger in, let's say, South America, Latin America, Africa, and also then in certain areas of Asia as well. And, and so I, I just thought that was Potentially, this is something that we're wringing our hands over. You know, the, the kind of people who are writing these articles yes. are part of these churches. You know, that's that's you know our tradition is primarily a white, right, uh, midwestern group. You know, this isn't necessarily urban. It's where these churches have been. As you mentioned, you grew up in a context where everybody went to church. It was just an expected thing. Yeah. Also, as we go back talking about this book, is when people do surveys, they also don't want to be outliers when they give their answers in surveys. Like if they believe that the dominant is Christian, right? They're going to say, "Yeah, I'm a Christian," right? Even if they're really not, because especially there's this, and you're saying with the internet, it's easier because you have a certain amount of anonymity. An- but anonymity, if you're sitting yeah. there in front of somebody and they're asking you that question, you're going to give them the answer you, you yeah. expect. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And so with with the internet. There's that anonymity. They would feel like it. They were socially stigmatized prior to if they said they right. weren't. Now they're right. feeling like there's less social stigma to them identifying as like I'm not that. Yeah. Well, you said you grew up in Salem, Illinois. That's is that southern? That's southern Illinois, it right? Is or South is it? Central Illinois. South Central. I mean, okay. come on, get it straight. Well, so we're about and, seventy and, miles straight east of St. Louis. And I've 
I'm from South Central Indiana. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we're both from the South Central. Yes. But yeah. uh, South Central. The, but the, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a small town. Salem, what was population of Salem? Uh, I think we're about 8,000. Okay, we were about 15,000, small town, like you said, a church. I was thinking about this. This is where I was thinking about I'm a little bit older than you, but you, you said everybody you knew pretty much went to church. I, I was thinking when I was growing up, you know, even the people who didn't go to church had a particular church they didn't go to. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? They, they still would have they still would have identified with a particular, even if they had, you know, well, of course you got the Christmas Easter people, but then even if they never darkened the, the, the church door, there was a particular kind of Christian that they weren't, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yes. And, and I, and that's, now here's here's the point I guess you and I've talked about this a little bit but we we've, we've used this term you, you talked about Europe that the church was really closely connected to the government and, and there's a term you and I both read this book by Howard Watson Willeman called Resident Aliens I've, I've recommended it to a lot of people yeah he tends to use and there's other other theologians use the term Christendom not Christianity but Christendom to talk about that kind of merger between government and Christianity or, or, or faith, that kind of merger between the two. And that's what he he talks about. I, I think, I can't remember if it's it's Willeman or Howard Watts. I think it's Howard Watts that opens that book, but he uses the example that, you know, he remembers the day that they snuck out of church on a Wednesday night and went down yeah. to the to the local uh, movie theater, uh, movie theater, you know, and the movie theater was actually open on Wednesday nights. And, and I, you know, I minister now in a, in a relatively uh, rural area in a, in a relatively, you know, good sized church, not a, a huge church. And there, there are people there who still talk about, Oh, I remember when no school activities were ever on Sundays or, you know, there was never any sporting events on Sundays and, and Wednesday nights as well. Those were reserved for, church time. And so, you know, certainly that move, as you said, is a kind of a long-term move, but you and I've talked about this and and maybe we can say something about it. There are some ways in which that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. And what I mean is this, is if we're, like I said, the person who identifies with the congregation, even if they never attend, it's like just being a a nominal, a Christian name only, Mm -hmm. a nominal Christian, you know, isn't really what we understand to being a follower of Christ, to being a true disciple is, is about. And so maybe at, at least this, th- there's no longer this social pressure to feel like you have to say you're a Christian. It, it, it makes it much more, uh, I guess, two things. It, it makes it more authentic, I suppose I'd say, when you mm-hmm. are professing to be a follower of Christ. And when you do that, not just with you know your church attendance or your membership, but you're doing that in every aspect of your life. Uh, the other aspect, I suppose, is, is it becomes clear when we present the gospel. This is, you know, something that we believe. We, we still believe the gospel is the power of God, what he's done in Christ uh, in order to draw people to himself. And so, you know, there may be a more obvious presentation, whereas in the, in the past, people may have just assumed mm-hmm. the gospel, what they know that it is. I've had several people who um, I've had conversations with, you know, people who maybe are former Christians or now would identify as non-believers. And when we've had discussions, I've I've just found myself at various points, and this is on more than one occasion, saying, you've not really rejected Christianity. Mm -hmm. You've rejected some form of belief that you think is Christianity. Right. But, But what you've rejected looks nothing like what I would understand to be the biblical teaching about, you know, about Christ, about what it means to be a disciple. 
And so, you know, that that's just something else to think about. I don't know what your thoughts are on. on yeah, that. I mean, I think that you you see this hockey stick effect of this these statistics going up, and right. Um, you know, I read that book, Resident Aliens, that you read as well, and I think it's you know, for me, it is it's sad. You obviously don't want that, but I think it right reinforces right. our call and what yes. we are to do. You know, yeah. I think I don't think it's all bad for the church because I think it creates more opportunity for the church to be the church, because I think in the past, it's been so cultural. Right. You know, it's been like, oh, everybody goes to church. I don't need to talk about who Jesus is because everybody right. already knows. Or, right. you know, and it might have been <laughs> all these different things, but kind of going, we're approaching a time when, you know, just as you said, there could be distorted views of who sure. Christ is, and that's, they've rejected that, and you you would probably go, well, I would reject that too. Yeah, exactly. As well. Yeah. Um, and so... If for us to be what we're called to be, and and I think that's one of the things we've talked about this um, this being hearers and doers. Doers, right. yeah. We can't just yeah. go to church. Like the the call for us is to be right doers of the gospel. It, even for me, as we talked about one of that statistic, and the the one that I wanted to share more importantly is that the the of the five that represented as not yeah. affiliated, three would be nothing in particular. If they didn't believe in any God at all, they would have said atheist. If right. they would have just said, like, I don't think there's truth, it's agnostic. But, like, there's some sense of something outside of them that they right. just haven't put handlebars on Right, or, or they're saying, you know, you know, the other thing I wondered about is one of, another of the commentators on this article that I saw said that, that it's generational in the sense that people are not necessarily wanting to make a commitment to a particular congregation or to a particular mm. denomination. So they may, they may even be attending. What does membership mean? Is one of the things that we we've talked about. You know, are you? Oh, yeah. What do you consider affiliation? Uh, you know, and and I do think there's a move away in a lot of ways from membership. Uh, I see that in congregations all the time. That used to be a big deal. Is people, oh, I want to make sure I'm a member of the church, even though I never attend. You well. Know, that, uh, yeah, and, and I think even on that, I pointed this out at the beginning, 70% of that early survey was done on cell phones. Right. You know, what does that say about us? <laughs> right. You know, again, like where you talk about like nobody has a, a home phone. Like right. I remember my home phone number where, it, you sure. know, the phone hanging up on the wall. Yeah. And I got in high school, I got my own phone number upstairs. So my, oh my friends gosh. could call. I mean, it was wow. a highfalutin there. And I remember wow. my first cell phone was a bag phone. I don't remember. Anybody remembers these cell yeah. phones, bag phones. But, you know, there's now there's a, a cultural shift of where yeah. it used to be family all was in the same area sure. all the yeah. time. And now we're moving all over the place. And so yeah. as there's this sense of transientness, I'm looking for the next adventure. And right. so I'm not putting too many roots down in one place sure. because there's an, there's potentially uh, another adventure for me somewhere else. Right. Right. That's true. And uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, that's just my thoughts. Yeah, no, that's good. We were talking a little bit about generations, too. You were saying something about the that in the book you read, it said the kind of the older that you got, the more you began to be unaffiliated. Is that, is yeah, that correct? Yeah, so, so yeah, there was another chart here, which is really, it was really interesting. Is So it, it, it has this age distribution of the nuns. And okay. so it had the three categories of atheist, agnostic, and nothing in particular. So 18 to 29, atheist and agnostics. Were, were really high. Um, okay. And so, and, and nothing in particular were high there too. 30s, they all come down a little bit. But then when you get to the 40s, for the first time, nothing in particulars have a larger percentage than huh. atheists or agnastics. Then 50s, it's higher still than the other really? two. 
Then the yeah. 60s, nothing particular is higher again. And then when you get to over 70, then the agnostics take over. It's, really? It's, it's, yes. Interesting. That's very fascinating. The nothing in particular go down. <laughs> I don't I so, don't know. So figure that out. Right. I'm just so whatever. So is it is there different things going on like younger people have perhaps never been affiliated with a congregation or with the, with a particular, you know, religious denomination, let's say, and older people are leaving denominations maybe or Yeah, I I, it's hard I, I don't to say. I don't I, I, you know, I don't know what you make with that data, you know, right. but there seems to be, there's a shift right. from that category of the nuns in the forties or more of them are nothing in particular. And in fifties, right. when they get to the fifties, the, the share is, it's a lot different. I mean, it, the, the nothing in particular is a lot higher. So. Okay. And you, you and I've talked about before, I mean, uh, lots of people at some point, you and I both have had different difficulties with the church at various times, and mm-hmm. and there have been times that maybe we've left congregations or you know whatever, uh, and and we know other people. We have friends, we have you know family members, people we know who've who've done similar kinds of things. I guess one of the questions that you know I'm asking is is that a part of it? Is it kind of a dissatisfaction with particular? congregations or particular denominations that that is giving rise to this. And I think that's what we're kind of, you know, all these articles that are kind of wringing their hands and kind of being concerned about this, I I think that may be part of what they're being concerned about. Here's kind of where I wanted to to go with this. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about that then or— I don't think so. Yeah, I I think we should move on. We've had almost 37 minutes of negativity. (laughs) It's been negative. It's yeah, been negative but it's just there's it's, some things. But we we do we have we have said we have a commitment on this podcast. We don't want to just be cynical. And I do think that that's part of what we've seen is is part of this none of the above is a cynicism toward particular leaders and and and, and don't get me wrong, some of it rightfully so. But we do have a commitment here that we want to kind of continue to be positive and, and think. And so one of the things I thought might be interesting, if you were telling someone why it is good to be a part of a local congregation or to be since they nuns are using this term unaffiliated. Let's not talk about membership necessarily. Right. right. And let's, unless you want to talk about that, but no, I don't, but to be affiliated with the congregation, why would you say that it, that can you give me some specific examples or are there some things that you would say that have been meaningful to you in being affiliated with a local congregation or with a particular church to, to, to not be no, nothing in particular, but to be something specific, I guess. Yeah. You know, I think the thing is, as we look at scripture and like the value of community, I mean, they're there to learn and read the scriptures and, and understand, but there's a support structure yeah. that is built into the church. And that, you know, as you believe, and, you know, and it's helping you shape what you believe yeah. and know more about who Jesus is, but at the same time to be community. Like right. there is a, the beauty of community. And we've talked about this a little bit before, I think is like the Trinity in community. Like God right. is, is community, right. you know, the father, son, and the Holy spirit. And so I think that the value of being a part of the congregation is, you know, the teaching and, and understanding who God is, but the support of the community around yeah. it, you know, and I have very fond memories. I grew up in a church and, I just have these great memories of community and, and adults that were around me as a child yeah. that that spoke to me and participating. We had meals on these Wednesday nights, like every Wednesday right. night we had a meal together and sitting down with adults and yeah. having these conversations. And like, it was just like a, a really important part for me growing up 
of having those relationships and, right. and I think huh. it fed and helped me grow into who to who I am today. Yeah, the multi-generational thing is for a lot of people talk about is how important that is. You know, we for a while we kind of graded everything, you know, and all the kids go over in this corner and all the adults go over yes. in this corner, but really the multi-generational is important. That's 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 pretty wild. I didn't I didn't say this earlier, but yeah, I grew up in a family. We were every time the church was open, we we were there. Yep. I mean, you know, Wednesday night, Sunday Sunday night, Sunday morning, you know, the whole every time there the church was open. But that's that's interesting. I, I do think I think relationships are one of the things that have been very meaningful. And you mentioned true community. I've said this before uh, many times. I think one of the signs in the New Testament of fellowship and the fact that that many of our congregations don't have it. Uh, <laughs> now I'm getting negative again. But, <laughs> don't get but negative, bro. I guess what I'm saying is true fellowship. When when someone was disfellowshipped in the New Testament, it hurt. It actually mm. hurt to be cut off from from the body. I mean, it was it was something that was used as a discipline in order to cause people to come back and to want to be a part of the body. And, and so that shows how close those relationships are, you know, true community. And, and, you know, like you mentioned, transient today and church on every block, it's very easy for us to go from one place to another. So I think one of the things I would encourage is continuing to be connected to a local body where you can grow those really deep. Uh, relationships for a long period of time. And I, I think that's, that's an important part of it. You know, I, I think you're right. I think that's, that's for me, one of the, one of the primary things you mentioned a little bit, this idea of shaping, being shaped by community. We've talked a little bit about the early church would have read scripture together. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm constantly learning when I'm in a group setting uh, again, you know, sometimes it's easy to become cynical at some points and we, we begin to say that, but, but to really listen and to, to learn from, even when I'm teaching, to get the feedback from from others and to hear what they think about a passage of scripture, or to 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 come up with different ideas and to to think through them together, I think is an important part. You know, the things we can't do on our own, uh, if you will. Out, you know, we we have to hear kind of ideas reflected sometimes, and and uh, and to have those discussions. I think. Uh, I think are important, but yeah, the relationship, I, there are people, the people I know right now that if, if I really needed someone that I would call would be people that I know through, uh, through my affiliation with a local congregation, I would say, those are the people that I, I know I could count on the most. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would, you would well, add? Or is that- you know, I, I, I'll, sh- I'll share a really quick story. So sure. we've got some neighbors. Uh, yeah. We love them. He is British Indian, grew up Hindu, uh-huh. and we're good friends with them. I mean, we, we, share meals together. They don't have any family that's close by. So on Christmas morning, we've invited them over for oh, to have nice. a meal with us. Right. And so he would see these people coming over. And he's like, oh, are you having a meeting of some sort? And we're talking, we're having a Bible <laughs> study and um, doesn't have a lot of uh, association with the church. And so we, we were talking one time and he's like, we were having something done in our house. And he's like, oh, who's doing it? And I said, well, it's somebody I know from church. You know, right. it's like someone I, I knew from the, the church and talking about these friends, and, you know, he shares this thing, and he's like, you know, it must be nice. They don't attend church anywhere. He's like, you know, it's like this community that's built in. Like, it's huh. these friends right. that you have right, right away. And I'm like, well, you know, they're not <laughs> they're not always just the same kind of friends, but, like, it, it's right. this concept, like, he was jealous of sure. community in we some may, ways. Yeah, we may take it for granted, you know, because you and I both were raised in the church, and, and everywhere we've lived, we've 
associated with with a local congregation. And so, you know, it may be something we kind of take for granted when somebody who moves from someplace else doesn't see that or doesn't have that. And it's it's not just, you know, and I I think the thing, it's not just a secular thing. Like there is something about being together as the body, like spiritual nature to it. It's not just a, oh, it's, you know, friends at my YMCA. It's right. There's something about worshiping together and living community life together. Other thing I'll say is, you know, I believe very strongly in the power of prayer. And so I think having other people who we know that are going to pray for us, that we can be, you know, this goes back to relationship thing, but people we can be truly real with. Uh, and that's another thing I think that that kind of upsets me a little bit when when I do see churches rejecting people or, you know, the kind of the idea, well, if that's the way it's going to be, I'm, I'm going to leave. This should be the place where we can be very open and transparent and honest with one another. Uh, I think about your your brother. There's been times in, in in my life when he's been a very important person to me and and been there when no one else was in some ways. And so, you know, so that's th- those are the kind of um, you know those close, very close, intimate relationships. I think are an important part of that. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about related to this this topic? Or you know, just coming back to this again, it's like we shared a lot of trends that are happening. Sure. Um, you know, some things that you may go, oh, you know, we're we're losing. <laughs> To the fight, I, you know, you know, and it's, I, I don't, right. you know, I think it's actually a, an exciting time sure. for, for, for a, as Christians, if you're following Christ to, to present Christ again, in right. some ways, you know, it's, it'd been so socially accepted and sometimes or more uh, that we, we just didn't, we didn't profess it with our lives. Right. And so it's, you know, this is the opportunity for us to step into the, you know, I've talked about like the exciting journey of following yeah. Christ, you know, that like Christ calls us into a, a revolution of, bringing his yeah. kingdom to earth. You know, you talked about like uh, your friend that's re- friends that have rejected Christ because they don't have a good image right. of him or they've got a false image of him to go, this is who Jesus is. We right. have this opportunity to reintroduce right. Christ yeah. in the way that Christ wants us to reintroduce right. him. And, and I think we can't uh, overemphasize what you said just a minute ago about it, in all of our lives. Not, you know, this Christianity ultimately is not about an hour or two hours on Sunday morning. It, it is about the way that we conduct ourselves in all of our lives. It's about the the way that we respond to other people throughout our lives. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's an important thing for us to keep in mind. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, that's why the bistro is so important, right? It's all, all about relationships, sitting around these cafe tables, yes. even if we're doing it cyberly. and, and uh, <laughs> The cyber cafe table. Yes. Virtually, yeah. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, share a cup of coffee and, and some good conversations. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for chatting, Brian. Yeah, yeah. I'd be interested in, in what other people might have to say as well, what thoughts they might have. What did we miss in this trend? Does there any, anybody have any other ideas? Yeah, absolutely. If, and if you've, if you've got something you think we missed, you reach out to us on thebiblebeaster.com. Yep. Thanks, Brian. Good to talk yep. to you today. Yep. Thanks, Brian. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. In next week's episode, Brian and I talk about something totally different, and that is the opening verses of John chapter 14 and the theme of Jesus as the temple. I think it's one of my favorite episodes that we've recorded to date. And just like this week, you're going to get a bonus episode because after that conversation with Brian, I had a couple lingering questions that I think you might have as well. So definitely join us for that. If you haven't been there yet, you can find show notes, links, and more at thebiblebistro.com. 
So for today's episode, you can find links to the Gallup poll. You can find links to the book that we referenced by Ryan Birch called The Nuns and other information. You can also find us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Bible Bistro. And as always, you can subscribe to us on either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And if you would give us a review on Apple Podcasts, the more reviews we get, the more likely others will be able to find us through searching. Also, feel free to reach out to us on our website, thebiblebistro.com, and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your questions, your comments, because we want this to be a resource and continue to make this better. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you on Tuesday.